you can ask yourself what's happening real time, practical life, like what's going on in my business, what's going on in my life. Where are the opportunities for me to consider making a change? Not whether or not I can do it, not whether or not I'm like psyched up enough to do it, but just ask yourself, get curious. What are the possibilities that would allow me to charge more, to increase my prices or to maybe change the products that I'm offering so that they reflect a higher value in the community that I serve? You know, like ask those questions. My name is Samantha Riley, and this is the podcast for experts who want to be the unapologetic leader in their industry. We're going to share the latest business growth, marketing, and leadership strategies, as well as discussing how you can use your human design to create success in business and life, inside and out. It's time to take your influence, income, and impact to the level you know you're capable of. Are you ready to make a bigger difference and scale up? This is the Influence by Design podcast. Welcome to the Influence by Design podcast. I'm your host, Samantha Riley, and today we're going to be talking about money. Don't switch off. This is going to be an absolutely fabulous interview. I've got Lisa Peterson joining me, who's the Mindful Millionaire Maker. If that doesn't make you want to tune in, then I don't know what does. She's a coach. She's an author, a business growth strategist and founder of Wealth Clinic, where she helps people elevate their financial consciousness by realizing their true value and becoming financially empowered. Lisa, welcome to the show. Thank you, Samantha. I'm so happy to be here. I am very excited to be chatting to you. I just did say, you know, we're going to be talking about money, but I think a better way to say it is we're actually going to be talking about wealth. And I, I think money and wealth are two different things. I'd love your take on that because I just know that something really juicy is going to come out of this. <laughs> Yeah, well, money is that tool that we all need to live on, survive, right? To pay the bills, all that good stuff. But wealth takes the conversation to a whole different level because what does wealth mean to you? I mean, for me, I grew up with nothing and I figured out the money equation early in life. I was like, oh, it's not that hard to make it and to keep it and to invest it. And I realized also a lot of people weren't like me. They didn't have an easy time with it. But over the course of my life, originally, it was all about the money. Mm -hmm. And then it wasn't until much later that I started to realize that I had a very different experience with wealth than other people and how they might think about wealth. And I, I started to realize how personalized it really is for each of us. Mm. And if we don't know what wealth is. That's a tragedy to me. Like, I think the idea of knowing what wealth is and being able to create it is one of the most beautiful, empowering things we can do in life. And that's why we're talking about it. <laughs> Absolutely. Now, you have written the book, The Mindful Millionaire which is about overcoming scarcity, experiencing true prosperity and creating the life you really want. I'd love you to take us back to the beginning of your business. How did you make your money then? And, and just briefly give us an overview of how this has evolved into this really spiritual, I guess, journey that you have had with, with making money and creating wealth. 
I started my business eight years ago. I've worked in financial services and helping people with their money for almost 30 years now. So, you know, relatively speaking, this is the new gig compared to what I was doing before, but I was a financial advisor and I walked away from that. I realized that I wanted to help people inside of their relationship with money rather than the investing and the allocations of money, which I had studied and was quite good at. So when I started my business, I actually wasn't sure how it was going to go down. I wanted to teach workshops and courses. And once I got into those courses, I realized that I needed to have some experience in coaching and the things that, that I in order to make a big impact in people's lives, I had to figure out how to coach folks. And that was a good two or three years of like trial and error. I didn't go to coach training school. I've got more education than anybody needs to have. And I knew that my solution wasn't going to go get more training. It was like, you're going to figure this out. So early on, my business was courses. Then I went to one-to-one coaching. Then I started figuring out the one-to-many model five years ago or so. And over time have learned really to me, the thing that I'm most proud about in my business, which is around community building, bringing people together so that they can learn from each other, not just from me. And that's when the business started to, I started to have a lot more fun Mm. in what we do. I just literally got tingles as you were saying that, because as we were chatting about before we started recording, I've got a copy here of your human design chart. And your human design is all about being in service. It's all about creating community to make sure that the tribe has the resources that they need to be able to live. Your energy is all around changing the world. And that's really what you're doing. And I'd love to touch before we even go in, at what point along the way, because I know that you you have looked into your human design. And one of my questions, first questions to you was, you know, were you just perfectly in alignment and have no idea or, you know, have you brought human design in? So I'd love to know sort of that journey because you are so in alignment with what you are meant to be doing. It's absolutely phenomenal. Mm, Yeah. I wish I could say it was very strategic because I'm a very strategic person, but, uh, I don't know that that's the case because a lot of even the story, and I'll go back a little bit further than when I started my business. In 1999, there was a family tragedy. I, my whole life inside crumbled. In fact, it was so weak and wobbly. There was not much to crumble. I just realized that I didn't know what it meant to be happy. I didn't understand life. And I began a deeply spiritual journey. And within a few years, I started teaching meditation and mindfulness and traveling around and doing workshops and retreats. And I started leading a group of folks that would meet weekly and really spiritual communion. And I did that for many, many years, but I kept my business and my money career separate. And then I would have this thing on the side. And it got to the point where I knew that that was very, that wasn't sustainable. And so, you know, when I came into my business right around the time I came into human design and started learning about it, I started because of my spiritual journey, because of all this meditation, because of all this inner work, I started seeing and even being given like very clear guidance 
that this was about something so much bigger than my small life or my small way of thinking about why I was here. And every time I faltered along the way where I'm like, yeah, that's a lot of work. Yeah, I'm not really cut out for this. Yeah, nothing's going viral. You know, those stupid stories that we have. Somebody would come in, something comes in and it's like, I will help you. Like 2017, a woman reaches out to me and says, I am reading your blog in Huffington Post and you're talking about things I've never heard anyone talk about. You know, I think there's a book here. And I'm an editor or I'm an agent and I don't do this kind of thing. People come to me and long story short, one of the most successful agents on the planet reaches out to me and says, I will nurture you to write this book. Wow. And I was like, okay, like I've never heard anyone tell me that story. Like they're very busy people. Yeah. And she did. She nurtured me for years and I kept writing and I probably wrote a million words until we got down to it. And at one version about I had 90,000, hundred thousand words on. And I was like, is this it? After I'd done it like four times, not kidding. She's like, this is the book I came to you for. Uh And she's like, let's take it out to bid. And even the St. Martin's press, when they decided to buy the rights to the book, everything was just so ridiculously magical. And that's as a generator in human design. Mm -hmm. And learning about the fact that I wasn't going to do this by myself, Mm -hmm. that this wasn't going to be like me manifesting my way to it. And I started surrendering into invitations and opportunities and the right people appearing. Watch out because I let go of all of those stories of manifesting and really leaned into generator. And that was also a really big shift. Mm, And as the generator, being able to respond to what the universe was putting in front of you. So beautiful. I'd love to start on, let's go back to kind of, you know, the stress that money causes. I know that you talk about it, money being the number one cause of stress, the top three causes of divorce. You talk a lot about people being in debt and people having nothing in the bank. What are the, I guess, from you're coming from a spiritual place, Where do you begin when you start working with people like this? One of the things that I got really strong guidance on through my meditation practice was an invitation to bring chakras into my teachings because what I wanted to do, like we've already discussed, is not approach it from the conventional perspective. Because in the United States, we have people like Dave Ramsey, who kind of own the whole space of like, if you're in debt, then this is the way to get out of debt. And it's very, very effective. If you fit in the profile of like who he's talking to. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And then there's a lot of people that that doesn't attract them. They're not Christian. They don't identify with some of the approaches you know, and I was like, well, there's some other story here. And the chakras allowed me to start diving into what's the story underneath all of the problems, because the people I work with, they have trouble getting those new habits created that stop the debt, that pay off the debt, or be able to ask to be paid more money or to be able to structure a business that allows them to make a higher, you know, income. So 
what I needed to do was go to the root and the chakras helped me understand the root causes of these different problems. Debt being one of them is sacral chakra. It's a deficiency around worthiness that comes up in all different ways. And when we could talk about it at that level, all of a sudden it's like, oh, right. My mom was that way, or my dad was that way. I mm. learned this behavior. It's not mine. I don't have to live it anymore. I can start to do things differently. I don't have to be defined by the story of the past. And so I use chakras to help people sort of decode what's going on now and then decide. There's a process in the book called I Prosper. And I, each of those is a stages of like deciding and giving yourself permission to create something different. Mm. Yeah. And it still does have practical, there's still practical parts. I'm a certified financial planner, like towards the end, but people, when they just come to my book and they just want like another finance book, they aren't very happy. You know, they're like, Oh, this, I don't know what's going on here. You know? <laughs> yeah. 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 Well, I know everyone that is listening to this podcast will totally be like, Oh, chakras, this is juicy. Tell me more. So are you able to quickly take us through the different chakras and, and essentially sort of what's happening? Yeah, yeah, we'll do it quickly. So we just use the seven main chakras. So these energy centers that are moving energy based on the cycles that we go through as we mature as human beings. So it's an ancient form of psychology is the way I like to think of it. The root chakra is related to safety. How that translates to money is the idea that you're just not safe, that you're not going to be able to pay your bills, that there's this sense of deep-rooted insufficiency that is dictating all of your all of your decisions. I think most of the time people think root chakra and money, but we'll take it to the next level because you'll start to see the nuances as we go into the sacral chakra. Mm -hmm. Sacral chakra is the feeling sense. And what happens as humans is we disconnect from our feeling sense, often because of trauma at a young age, very young, like two, three years old. And when we have an instability around our feelings, it can translate into this sense of I'm not worthy to receive pleasure. I'm not worthy mm. to receive money. I'm not worthy of the things that I really, really want. And so one of the ways that the chakra, the sacral chakra plays out is a tendency to live in debt, to think that debt is the standard because it's a place of deficiency. I'm not good enough. And so here we go. Now there's a healed state of having debt where you're using debt to like leverage and buy more things, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about those, that kind of debt that you're like, I have no idea how I could ever get out of it because there's so much and I don't feel like it's even important because we've turned off that feeling sense. And again, we can dive into any of them. The solar plexus is the power chakra. This has a lot to do with our ability to manage money, to watch the money coming in and to watch the money going out and be conscious in what is that relationship? Is there money left over at the end of the month? Am I choosing, you know, the projects or the, if we're self-employed, am I making sure that there is something left over at the end of the month? So it's about that checks and balances. The heart chakra is the cycle of giving and receiving. 
So when our businesses are structured, so we are over givers and undertakers, we know <laughs> that that's not a sustainable model. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. The heart chakra shows us how to be in alignment with how much we're giving, how much we're receiving, and make sure that there's alignment and balance and beauty in that. The throat chakra is around more advanced states. Now you've got money, you're starting to have more money coming in. This is about investing and trusting. You know, if you don't have the answers, you're going to find trusted resources that can help you to invest, to wisely take that money that you're earning because you, everything else is in alignment. Now you are able to trust in the process of investing and thinking about the long term. The brow chakra is when things all start to come together. And the way I like to think of it is this sense of I am enough, I am well resourced. I can tune into my intuition. I can also tune into my experience. They don't have to be either or. I can look at both and make really good decisions for myself from both sides of the equation. And then the crown chakra is, you know, above the head. It's the divine connection. It's a it's the place of ultimately opening to manifestation or to being in flow with all of life and being connected to guidance beyond, you know, divine love but you bring that beautiful divine love and you start to mix it with all the chakras. And it's amazing because that's when money starts to feel like just an embodiment of love. Mm, mm. All right. So I've got a million questions. This is so awesome. If we're talking about the crown chakra being that divine connection and that manifestation, if we've got blockages in root chakra, sacral chakra, how is this going to I guess, come together with people that are trying to manifest because we're all, you know, in this world. And I say in this world, because we're all open to this, this subject, we all know about manifestation and putting our, our thoughts out or our, our feelings out, our purpose out to the universe. But if our root chakra or our sacral chakra is blocked, how does that play with that? Mm -hmm. So they're all working together all the time, right? Nothing's in isolation. So I should say that first, but you're right in that we are having a physical experience and the root, the sacral and the solar plexus chakras are the manifestation in the 3D. And so what we see is a lot of spiritual people, right? They're operating at like maybe the throat and or the heart upwards but they don't have that grounded tendency to create structures, to create bank accounts, to create 401k or like different savings vehicles or to put it into stocks. Like they like all of this floaty stuff, but the practical is really important as a business owner. Like I love having incredibly strong foundational support because the stronger that is, the more money can come in and be handled. It's like a sense of, I can do this. I can take care of myself. I can not just make the money, but take good care of it once I get it. And that that's a balanced state that we're trying to achieve by paying attention to where are those blocks where that isn't happening. So if you don't have structures or you resist structures, or you, you're always thinking about things from the scarcity, how it's like, an, instead of playing to win, you're playing life not to lose. Mm. And when that happens, you get really stuck in the mire of details of fear, consuming your thoughts. Mm. You went through the chakras. Is there a difference 
and I don't know that that's the right way to put it, but can you tell us the difference between when we might have a, like one of our chakras is stuck or we might have a blockage as opposed to it being overactive? What are the things that you see with people and the differences between that stuck or overactive chakra? Yeah, the overactive chakras, I think one of them that we can kind of point to that I'm, I'm spending a lot of time with right now because I can notice that I'm awakening to something new because they just keep showing you. It's like a flower that just keeps getting bigger and bigger as it opens. Mm -hmm. So in the solar plexus, it's an easy one to point to around recessive and excessive. So neither excessive or recessive are where we want to be. We want to be in the middle, but the recessive power is chakra is like a feeling of, I can't make a difference in the world. It can also be coming from this place of extremely low self-esteem. So the solar plexus was around that, the, when it's being created as we're maturing, it's about sense of self, sense of identity. And so if something jarred that or some kind of wounding caused us to doubt, you know, that we're really supposed to be here and take up space and be an authority or be sovereign in our life, then that blockage can cause us to feel very insecure about ourselves. But this is what's so fascinating is many times you, you're both. So like, hate to say this because I'm going to get a little pl political, but not totally. So, okay, Donald Trump in this country would look to be someone who would be excessive, excessive confidence in the way that he behaves in the solar plexus, like mm -hmm. trying to like, I'm powerful, watch me, this is what it's all about, doesn't hesitate, like that extreme. Mm -hmm. But all my research and my life understanding would say that that comes from a place of extreme lack of self-esteem. Mm-hmm because it's the puffing up. So it's actually recessive and excessive at the same time, which can be extremely polarizing. So you can, other people who have those same tendencies are going to love you because they're wanting a leader that embodies that. Mm -hmm. But the folks in the middle, it will repel because they're like, I don't get it. I don't get why anybody would want to live in the extremes. So yeah, people are easy to poke at because we see these examples all the time. And it's good for us to see because when we incorporate, when we understand that we're all of the sides and all of the spectrum, we stop worrying that we're doing it wrong or being wrong. And we're like, oh, this is what it's like to be a human being. Sometimes I'm going to feel powerless. Sometimes I'm going to be like, watch out, you know, here I come. And those are okay as long as we know that the center is where we're going to actually create beauty and love and we're going to change the world mm. in beautiful ways, right? For future generations when we're in the center place, yeah. not the extremes. Love it. I love it, love it, love it. So how do you work with your clients or how can our listeners, now that we've got this information, start to move through this? If someone's listening and going, you know, I don't have all of my bank accounts set up or I don't pay my, you call it 401k, we call it superannuation. I don't have that set up or, you know, I'm not doing my taxes, all of those things. And we can see where there's problems. Now, how do we move into the next phase? Yeah. 
So what I'm hearing you say is you're aware of what's not working, which is really the first step because until you're aware of what's not working, I do like to use that model of kind of start at the bottom and work your way up here because you're going to want to have each of them in place. Mm -hmm. So pick where you are. And let's say, I think what's coming up for me is let's just say the heart chakra. You're realizing that you are probably giving a lot more and you do not feel like you're receiving as much back. So what would someone do in that situation? You can ask yourself what's happening real time, practical life, like what's going on in my business, what's going on in my life. Where are the opportunities for me to consider making a change? Not whether or not I can do it, not whether or not I'm like psyched up enough to do it, but just ask yourself, get curious. What are the possibilities that would allow me to charge more, to increase my prices or to maybe change the products that I'm offering so that they reflect a higher value in the community that I serve? You know, like ask those questions. I love asking questions, even if you don't, you just asking it to yourself. Mm. If you have a coach, ask the coach, but first do it your work on your own. Because what I have found is we are not asking enough questions. And the minute we start to ask questions, amazing resources start to come in. And I know that you'll probably can talk to this about human design because there's different things that work for each of us, right? So know your human design. 100%. <laughs> but like, ask the unanswerable questions and allow the magic to start to come to you of what could happen. Like just sit with it, be uncomfortable, but at least ask the questions. Mm. And we're just giving them little, little tidbits. Does that work? Totally, totally. Well, what I love about this, and this is something I talk about all the time, when we've got these things, let's just call them things that aren't working in our life, what we do is we tend to put them under the rug in the closet where it's dark. But the second you shine a light on them, it takes away all the shame. It takes away all the negative energy in it. And now you're able to do something with it. So what I'm hearing is just lean into it, lean into it. Mm-hmm. Don't run away. It's okay if you don't know the answer. You can still ask the question. Mm. And the other thing that's coming up for me is as a past Czech practitioner, well, I still am a Czech practitioner, but I don't work in this world anymore. Paul Czech has written a great book called How to Eat, Move and Be Healthy. And in that book, there are zone exercises. They're like meditation exercises. So they're exercises that are done very slowly in the just breathing kind of pace and they're specifically broken down to chakras. So if you know that there's something that's getting a little bit stuck or blocked or you're having a a think that maybe you need to be able to move through this, get yourself a copy of that book and have a look at those zone exercises and start integrating them into your day as well because, you know, that gets the energy moving but it also gives you the space because they're done at sort of breathing pace, they're sort of sort of meditative exercises that gives you the space to also have these thoughts or this inspiration or these questioning, the answers to your questions drop in as well. Mm, I love it. So I love that so much. So Lisa, I know that you are in a position now where you don't even need to work. This is something that we discussed last time we spoke and you're doing this work purely because you want to be of service and you really want to change the world with this message. Can you just explain really quickly 
how did you, and this may be a bit big, so we'll see where it goes. How did you get to a point where you don't need to work? Like what was that money journey like for you to get to this point? Mm-hmm. And I know this is going to be super high level, but let's just explore this and see where it goes. Yeah, I can try to, I can try to summarize it. Early in my career, I knew, I just decided back in the mid nineties, I was like, well, I could be a millionaire. I was, you know, Robert Kiyosaki's Rich Dad, Poor Dad was coming out and there was a lot of discussion. I read all of the books and I was like, well, why not me? You know, I, I'm capable. How about me? And within 10 years of making that decision, my husband and I had become, you know, self-made millionaires the first time over. So going back to like 2006 and we did it through real estate where we were building houses or doing renovations. He's in construction. I'm a finance whiz. I knew how to get the, the financing and I'm just really good at coming up with scenarios for possibilities and then finding out how to do it. So like I'm a master at that. And I, every time we've taken on a new project, it was like, okay, here's what I want. Here's where we are. And then I would go through all the iterations of how could I get the money to make this thing happen. And what's funny about that is, and this is going into our strengths back to human design. I do not get excited about saving money, just like putting money away and like never see you again or not see you till I'm 65 or 70 or something. That doesn't, is not exciting. It's not that I don't do it, but you give me a project where I've got to go from this situation to that situation and watch out because I will find the money. I will work harder to get the money. I love a challenge. And so I found early on, what worked for me to be saving and contributing to projects. And what would happen is one project would lead to another, would lead to another. And along the way, I also started realizing that because of the way we had done our real estate projects, they weren't sufficient. When I I started thinking, well, in the United States, we don't have much of a net. And so I became consumed by passive income. So I was like, well, where is the monthly income going to come in? Because I don't want to work like along those times. I was like, I just don't want to work. So how can I have these passive income sources coming in? Funny story about that is we figured it all out. And then I was like, but that's still too much work. So now I'm still looking at like constantly reinventing. Like, I think I know where I want to go. And then I get there and I'm like, no, that's too much work. I'm actually lazy. Maybe not so much. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah. So now it's all about syndicated real estate deals that we contribute money into, but we don't have to actively manage them, but they provide really nice returns. So I love it. That help? It is. And I'll tell you the reason I asked it, and I was hoping to loop back here, is for people that are listening now, And they're like, well, that's really great, but I didn't start this back in the 90s. Yes. But I would love to get my ducks in a row or start getting my ducks in a row today because, as we know, the best time to plant an oak tree was 20 years ago, but the next best time is today. Yes. Where can people start to begin this journey? Because I believe it's never too late. Sure, it was better earlier, but it is never too late to start. And it's all relative. I mean, everything's relative. So what I love 
now, especially we'll just talk about real estate investing is I like hanging out with people who have done things completely differently or completely different configuration than I have. And so some of the folks I hang out with specialize in being able to have as little as $10,000 saved where you can take that money in the US, go buy a property and be able to start creating $250 net cash flow or a month, you know, as a result of that. Like and my point of bringing that up is is that anything is possible, but if you tell yourself it's not possible, I don't have enough money, I can't get a loan, Any of those are excuses from my perspective. If you want it, it means you haven't turned enough stones. You haven't asked enough questions. You haven't listened to enough podcasts. Anything can happen, even buying a house for as little as $10,000 and you get started. And by doing this, one of my friends, I mean, he has a net worth of probably far beyond me, which I wouldn't have thought was possible by buying these little houses along the way but it paid off big time. And he's in the same position as I am where he doesn't have to work. And he just started buying these really cheap houses that, that improved and, and our cash flow. And it's amazing. I'm just, anything's possible. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. Anything. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So what I'm hearing is it's about finding the right people, asking the right questions, really shining a light on what's holding you back and starting to get really clear on that and then just leaning into that and moving forward. Mm -hmm. And people love, like, write to me. I'll give you 20 ideas. Like, I mean, I'm constantly exploring these things and we create blog posts about ways to make, you know, 5,000 bucks fast. I mean, I think that the problem for most people is you just, I look at it like there's money. Money is everywhere Mm -hmm. and it is literally waiting for us. Now, do I want to work as hard as some of those things take? No, I'm lazy. <laughs> like, it's fascinating, but it is there. It's just, are you willing to go after it? Mm. Lisa, this has been such an insightful conversation for people that are listening and just go, I need to get myself some more of this. I need to find these questions. How can people get in contact with you or, or find you? best way to uh, get started on the journey with what we put together is to go to wealthclinic.com forward slash vision. And you'll get a meditation that helps you with the chakras like we were talking about first chapter of my book. So you can see if that's something that might be appealing to you and lots of other resources. But seriously, like once you do that, write to me and say, Hey, I'm curious, like, where's the money? You said it's everywhere. And I'm happy to answer questions and show you the the posts that we've created to help. Love it so much. And of course, go out and get yourself a copy of Lisa's book, The Mindful Millionaire, to really dive in deeper into what we've talked about today. Lisa, thank you so much for this conversation. It's been an absolute pleasure. You've just dropped so many value bombs. Thank you so much. Thank you, Samantha. Thank you, everyone. 
Thanks for joining me for this episode of the Influence by Design podcast. If you want more, head over to influencebydesignpodcast.com for the show notes and links to today's gifts and sponsors. And if you're looking to connect with other experts who are growing and scaling their business too, join us in the Coaches, Thought Leaders and Changemakers community on Facebook. The links are waiting for you over at influencebydesignpodcast.com.